Uh, this evening we're uh, going to cover a lot. So if you can get over to Acts chapter 15. We'll read from verse 1. Believe it or not, we're going to try to make the whole chapter, but I just kind of want to read from verse 1 to 21 first. It says, Then certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Philistia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy in all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they received they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all the things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and the elders came together and considered this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the hearts, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither your fathers nor we were able to bear but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved in the manner as they in the same manner as they then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles and after they had become silent, James answered and said, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the apostles agree, just as it is written, After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things known to God from eternity, all are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that they, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled and from blood. For Moses has 
has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. <clears throat> Verse, or chapter 15 of Acts deals with the, the conference of Jerusalem. There was a conference that came together because of the issue at hand. Um, the city of Jerusalem was the birthplace of the church, and that is where the mother church was at. That's where uh, a lot of these issues came to them. And whenever things were happening abroad in other areas, oftentimes they heard the news of what was going on. And from that church had traveled, as we covered last week and as we just read, um, up to Antioch, which is up by Syria. Um, and, and this place, this church up there was made up of, of Jews and Gentiles, mostly Gentiles. But, but they, this group from Jerusalem had traveled up there and they ordered these, this church that they had to follow certain things in order to be saved. In order to be truly saved, they said, you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the, the, the law of Moses. You have to keep it. And it is possible that the church of Antioch was not only dealing with this problem, um, but 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 is, it, it, it's possible that this church had had so many different other issues, but this one in particular um, hit Paul and Barnabas really really hard because those guys were were teaching that it was grace alone that saved people. And these guys, these gentlemen are coming up from the mother church area and preaching, no, it's, it's the law. It, it's, it's Jesus, but before you can get to Jesus, you have to be circumcised. In other words, you have to become a Jew before you can become a Christian to these guys. And again, it was contradicting what Paul and Barnabas were being taught from the Holy Spirit. And this situation came to a head, and it was something that they could not ignore any longer. And it was best for some from the church of Antioch to go up to Jerusalem and take care of the matter. And Paul and Barnabas were among them. And the leaders were going to, to, to go down there and meet with those leaders and settle the issue and try and settle the whole thing. And so from verses 13 to 18, after this whole thing had, had come about, after they had all come together to consider the matter, and it said that there was much dispute on this issue from every side. Every side, it seemed like, came to, as they came together, whoever represented these guys and these guys, they all had their say. They were all able to come and give their opinion or their heart of why they were teaching certain things to these people and, and, and all that was going on. And so everybody had their say, and then there fell a hush upon this, this conference. And it became silent. And James speaks up. James answers. Now this James is, is, is not the Apostle James that, that is the brother of John. 
If you remember, he got killed by Herod a couple chapters ago, right before Peter was thrown in prison, because Herod was going to kill Peter also. That James, John's brother, had been killed already. This James here is the half-brother of Jesus. That's who this James is. And James had come to the saving knowledge of his brother, of his half-brother, Jesus Christ, after the resurrection. Because while, he, while Jesus walked on the earth and was the half-brother of these guys, of his family, they didn't believe in him. They thought he was a little out there. They, they, they mocked him even. And it wasn't until after the resurrection that this James came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior and gave his life over to him. And as I shared with you last time, the church at Jerusalem was now about 20 years old. And so James, the half-brother of Jesus, has now become one of the, the leaders of the church. I could imagine the, the, the conviction that he had in his heart to be able to give his life wholly to the Lord because he knew and he had seen him for all his life. And when it finally hit him, he, he like served him with all his heart and never turned back. He is the one that writes the book of James. And if any of you guys have ever read the book of James or studied the book of James, it's a pretty hard-hitting book. This guy was pretty hardcore. He was pretty strict in being a Jew. And you can read that even when he's reading because, or when he writes his book because he, he, he kind of has that, that leaning towards that way. He, 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 he leans more to the Jewish customs, even right now as we're looking here. He, he leans more in that direction than Paul does, even though Paul was a Pharisee. And, and going in that direction, he was a Jew as well. But I like what, what we see here in that he kind of sits back, leading this conference of all these people, and he stays quiet for the most part, until it's time. And I like the fact that as he begins to speak, he is open. He is open to, to the working of the Holy Spirit in his life and to the grace of God. Even though <laughs> you, you, he could probably lean a little this way. And so when he begins to talk, he refers to what Peter had just said. Because he was one of the ones that when Peter came back from Cornelius' house, interrogated Peter. And made, it's like, how did you go about this? How did all this happen? And so he had heard from Peter several years back of what had happened and, and, and how God was moving within the Gentiles. But again, he leaned a little towards the Jewish customs. And so he goes back to the Old Testament, to the OT there, and he, he, he quotes from... Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. And he expresses the fact that the prophets, even though he's quoting one prophet here, he, he, he expresses the fact that the prophets are in agreement to what Peter has just shared. That the Gentiles would be called by his name. 
and that God was doing something among the Gentiles and it had been written about years ago, hundreds of years ago in the Old Testament. And so James, being, being one who, who, who leaned that way, understood what the prophets were saying even in the Old Testament about the Gentiles coming in. And that God, He knew about this even from the beginning, from eternity, as verse 18 tells us. And it must have surprised the Judaizers or taken them aback a little bit when all of a sudden James speaks up and he begins to kind of be in the middle but siding almost with what Peter, Paul, and Barnabas and those from Antioch were talking about. And I'm sure the Judaizers and those of the sect of the Pharisees are going, Hey, James, what the heck? Why, why are you like ranking out on us? Why are you like, like, like jumping ship here? Why, why, why are you like almost backstabbing us in the sense that you are leaning in that direction? Because we've always thought you were pretty in the middle. <laughs> more than likely, he leaned their way a little bit more. But now he's, he's kind of agreeing with, with what kind of has, has come up. And so I'm sure that these guys were a little surprised. But God was at work, even in the heart of James at this moment. As, as he has sat back, as he has heard everything, and in verse 19, he says, Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. Again, it's like, no, why would you go against what we've been sharing and talking about? You know, it, it's not always easy to, to drop traditions and customs and, and even prejudices that... Um, that we might have been raised with, whether culturally or religious. It's not always easy when we come to the Lord because we still have some leanings because of our culture maybe or because of our, our, our upbringing in, in, in a particular church to just like say, okay, I'm done with those things and I'm going to full-fledged just follow after the Lord because sometimes we drag some of those things with us. And, and, and a lot of the people, a lot of the believers from the church in Jerusalem who were Judaizers, well, not Judaizers, they, they were born and raised in the Jewish culture, to them, when, when some of these guys from the sect of the Pharisees were talking about the law and, and adhering to those things, they didn't probably have a big problem with it because a lot of them were still adhering to, to some of the customs. They were still going to the, the synagogues. They were, and many of them were still observing the, the, the Sabbath day. And so they still had the, that little baggage that they came in from. Now, it wasn't a bad thing that they were going to the synagogue. It wasn't a bad thing that they were observing the Sabbath day. But they were freed from all that stuff. They really didn't have to adhere to that. But they leaned in that direction. And so when some of these guys who had left from Jerusalem went up to Antioch and some of these other cities that had more Gentiles, they were like preaching this to them. 
Again, it wasn't bad for them. They didn't think it was bad. I mean, what, what's wrong with, with going to Sabbath or, or observing the Sabbath or going to, 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 to synagogue? What's wrong with, with, with ad, adhering to the law of Moses? But now they were putting a trip on these other guys going, no, you have to do these things. Now it was becoming legalism. When they said, you must. You must do these things. And I would say that it, it wasn't easy for James to come to the conclusion that he came to here. That, that you know what, we can't trouble these guys. We, we can't put these kinds of conditions on someone to accept Jesus. I, I, I have a feeling that, that it wasn't as easy as it might sound here, but he did. He, 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 he came through with it. And I know that even as, as Christians, after we've come to the Lord and we've walked with the Lord for years, it's easy for us to become traditional. It's easy for us to, to create our own customs and even our own prejudices of what a Christian should be doing and not doing. Because we've walked with the Lord so long that we forget, <laughs> sometimes, what we've come out of. And how free we were when we started walking with the Lord and then we became dogmatic in some of our thinking. We, we, we became legalistic in some of the things that we approve or don't approve of. That might not be major issues, but we've made them major issues. And I think there's a danger in that. I shared with you about, about Galatians and how Paul wrote to the Galatians. And he said something to them at one point where he says, Man, you've begun in the Spirit. Are you going to now make it perfect in the flesh? Are you going to now be perfected in the flesh? And what he was saying is like, when, when did it become legalistic for you? Because you had all the freedoms of the, of the world. And, and again, if you have to go back to when you were saved and you were freed from all the things that, that you were all about, when did you start now putting, putting burdens or trips on people? And you started looking at even your brothers and sisters going, oh, a good Christian doesn't do that. Oh, you shouldn't be doing those things. You should be doing all these things. And I'm not saying that those kinds of um, instructions or the information that you might be giving is bad per se. <laughs> they, they might be really good. They might be biblical. But are we making it harder for someone when they come to the Lord? It's like, well, now you got to do these things might not be bad. Are we demanding things of people? Because I've often thought of this, even for myself, even not just in this position, just, just being a Christian, that I cannot live by some of some other Christians' standards. <laughs> I can't live by their standards. I can live by God's standards. But I can't live by your standards sometimes. Because you expect too much. 
And I feel bad when people put so many standards on other people because they themselves, like he said, we put a yoke on people that we cannot even bear ourselves. And so we need to be careful because sometimes we add demands on people that the grace of God is not demanding on people. Again, what what they came up with was not bad. And it seems like James understood what both sides were saying. And I think that because of his background, if he could have put stipulations on the Gentiles, he would have. (laughs) He might have. But he was open to the work of the Holy Spirit here and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and, And he made a decision of what they should do. And not on his own leanings, his own customs, his own traditions. The things that he was suggesting here were to help the Gentiles not stumble the Jews. They weren't commandments per se. I mean, there were two out of two out of the four things that he mentions were were commandments, and the other ones were like concessions. <laughs> The, the, the things that, that, that they should abstain from, you know, like, like idols and, 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 um, and um, what was it, sexual immorality. Those, those were the commandments. But the things that were strangled and had blood or eat drinking blood, those were more of the concessions. Ah, if, you can, if you can restrain from those things or, or abstain from those things. And it seems like James wanted, really wanted to bring an agreement about with both sides. Yeah, I, I think what, what his heart was that they both be satisfied with this outcome, which could be hard. <laughs> you see, the Apostle Paul would eventually deal with this issue in Romans 14 and 15. When, when he talked about, about not eating things in front of people because you could stumble them. He says, don't eat in front of people or don't drink in front of people or don't do certain things. Because we can use our rights and say, well, I have the right and the freedom to do these things. But if we're going to cause another brother to stumble, is it worth it? And that's what Paul deals with. And, and here I think that that's what he is trying to, to bring across. Here, here's some suggestions for you that if you adhere to these things, you, you won't make these, these Jews who are having a hard time with your freedom. If you, if you just abstain from these things, they won't stumble. And it will be better for you. I truly think that this was the heart of James and the leaders of the church that, that they would encourage these Gentiles not to cause other people to stumble. Verse 22. So, so uh, then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas namely Judas, uh, who was named Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles and elders and the brethren, 
to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. But it seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men with you or to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and, and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep these, if you keep yourself from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they, I'll stop right there. Um, it, it said that it pleased the, the apostles and, and the elders and, and the church as a whole. And I love that, that I, I, I love it that this plan kind of came together. You know, as, as they were considering the matter, as they were looking at what was going on, there was the outcome was unity in the body of Christ. And, and I love that because that is what it's supposed to look like. There's, there should be unity after even though there was some much dispute going, over, going on over this issue. And you know, as I was looking at that, I said, I bet you not everybody was in total agreement over the settlement. I'm sure there was some who really weren't like thrilled that it didn't really go their way. The leaders of the church had come up with a plan and it's like, well, I, I, I spoke my mind and, and it didn't go my way. Now the good thing is about this whole thing, and maybe you might think it's a bad thing, the good thing is that there wasn't another church to go to in Jerusalem except that church. <laughs> and I'm sure it kind of bummed them out. And, and as I was thinking about it, it reminded me about, uh, of the story about this guy who was stranded on, a, on an island for several years. He was all by himself, nobody else on this island. And after several, several years they finally found him and they found this island and they saw this guy there and he was all by himself. And when they get there, there's this, there's three buildings that he had built. And they asked him, it's like, what, what are these buildings? He said, well, that one over there, that one's my house. And they said, well, what's that one? He goes, that's the church. Well, what's that other building? That's the church I used to go to. And so as I was thinking about this, the fact that there was no other churches to go to, they had to like deal with the issue. Because the mother church at the time there settled the issue in the sense. Oh, I'm sure they still had their flare-ups and they still had things going on. But the fact that, that James was the one that came up with a suggestion... 
You know, and, and, and it kind of puts James in that leadership position. And most believe that he was. He was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Even though Peter and John were also pillars of the church, leaders of the church. It seemed because of this that James takes the lead here. And I like this about what happened here. Because he had other men around him that, that helped him in this decision making. Even though he was the one that came up with it. I, I, I like the fact that, that, that he surrounded himself with people that, that were able to help him in this decision. And I'm, I'm sure, that again, there was much disputing. There was much stuff that went on. But in the end, they were coming together and there was unity. Again, I, I, I like that, that, that the decision was made. And, and the people kind of fell in line and they, they helped them out. And again, I'm sure there was those dissenters. But, but because of this, they were able to move forward because they came together. And they chose some, some men, and they were probably among that group that, that, that said, right on, bro, we, we, we're agreeing, we're, we're understanding where you're coming from. And they chose these guys, and they, they sent them to Antioch to deliver the outcome. And so the, the decision was made, men were chosen, and the letter was written. Now, it doesn't tell us the time frame of how long this whole conference took before the letter was written and these guys were on their way. It doesn't tell us, but there was unity. There was unity in the church, even after this hard decision. It tells us that they were all with one accord and that it seemed good to them. And I like that even in the letter, they, they end up saying it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So to me, it tells me that they were really in prayer and seeking the Lord. Lord, what do you want out of this whole thing? Because I guess James could have came up with a decision and say, I don't care what you guys think, this is what we're going to send. But it, he brought the people together. And they were able to... To, to have this heart of unity and not division. Their heart was to mend what troubled the other brothers from another place. That's what his heart was. His heart was to exhort them and, 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 and to encourage them. And, and to me, as I read this letter and as I read and studied this, what I saw also was humility from James. And the fact that he would say, I am so sorry that there were people that came from our church that misrepresented the gospel and hurt you. I'm sorry about that. And we're trying to make it right. And I'm sending these two guys that I think are, are precious. I think they're like quality men. And I'm sending them and they will share with you my heart as well. And he gives them some suggestions of what they should do. And again, it wasn't a letter that says, hey man, you can accept it or not. Take it or leave it. If you don't like it, lump it. Whatever. No, he says at the end, and I like this last portion, if you keep yourself from these things, you will do well. In other words, if you keep yourself from 
from these things, it will help you in your Christian walk and it will help you not stumble other people. To me, it was like, it's not going to hurt you any if you abstain from these things. If anything, it's going to help. It's going to help you and it's going to help other people. And I think oftentimes as Christians, we hurt other people because of what we allow in our lives. And it's our freedom. And we have the freedoms. But it does tell us that we should not use our liberties as an occasion to sin or to cause others to stumble. And we need to be careful. And I know some would say that the church of, of, of Jerusalem was still putting this, this trip on them, telling them what they, they should do. But you've got to understand that he's not telling them, hey, now you've got to go do these things. He's not telling them you've got to go do these things. He's telling them to abstain from certain things. It's a little different. And they could have taken it or, or left it. But they would do well if they abstained from certain things because it wouldn't hurt anybody <laughs> if you did. And as he says farewell, and as I was reading it in the Amplified, at the end it says, farewell, be strong. And I like that. Be strong. Be strong in what the Lord's given you. As we close up here, it says verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets, also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. You know, I, I, I just love this. As I, as I read these verses, as I was looking over these verses, I think that's the way it should be right there. That is the way it should be. The church is being encouraged, exhorted, and strengthened. You see the inreach that was going on. They were there for one another. They were there to, to lift one another up and, 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 and just encourage them. And this letter was so timely for them. And they needed to hear this letter. And they could feel the love from the church in Jerusalem and they could, they could begin to heal with what had happened in their lives. And I'm thinking, man, that's That's amazing. Especially the fact that Judas and, 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 and Silas were there sharing, edifying, um, exhorting, and comforting. Like, like it says in 1 Corinthians 14, what prophets do in the New Testament. So as the team is ready to go back to Jerusalem, it's in good to Silas to stay there. I could imagine that he, he just, like, as he sought the Lord, and he thought, man, Lord, I just want to stay with these guys, man. Coming alongside Paul and Barnabas, the dynamic duo, man. These guys are the bomb. These guys are amazing. Man, they just work so well to, together. It can't get any better than this. That would be a true statement. <laughs> because in verse 36, so after some days, 
Paul and Barnabas. Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to make, to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone to do with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And talking about all the in-reach and, and stuff that was going on. And man, I'm sure they were continuing to talk about all that, that was going to happen, the outreach that they were going to go do and stuff like that. And man, it was just amazing. And Barnabas is like, yeah, bro, yeah, we should get going, man. We should go over there and just hold on. I got to go get John Mark because I insist, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I'm determined to, to give him a second chance to help him out to, to encourage the brother, man. Because that's what Barnabas is. Barnabas, that's his name. That's what Barnabas means. Son of encouragement. You know, he's the type that, man, he will just keep on giving grace and grace and grace. And, 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 and so he is determined to take John Mark. On the other hand, Paul is insistent on not taking this quitter. This, this kid who, who went halfway or not even halfway and decided, I can't do this, and he left a couple chapters ago. And Paul didn't forget about that. And Paul says, no way, I'm not taking him. He blew us off, I'm blowing him off. He's not going with us. He blew it. <laughs> now when you have someone who is determined, and then you have someone on the other side who is insistent, there's not much room for humility there. <laughs> so the only other outcome would be contention. <laughs> contention. And it's like, I look at this and I get bummed out because I believe that if either one of those guys would have just backed down and humbled themselves, they could have continued as a dynamic duo. They could have continued on the work of God. If, John, or if Barnabas would have said, you know what, bro, you're right. Maybe next time. Let's go. Or if Paul would have said, Man, Barnabas, you always get me on that grace thing. You're right. Let's give this kid another chance. They could have continued together. You know, and, and as I was thinking about this, I'm going, I'm wondering if, when this contention was going on, I'm wondering if there was others around when this was going on. <laughs> After all that had happened throughout the rest of that chapter, these guys from Antioch going, whoa, look at what's going on with Paul and Barnabas. It's like, Paul or Barnabas is determined. Yeah, but Paul is insistent, man. And look at what's going on, man. They're fighting. They're fighting. I'm thinking, that's sad. That's sad if it was out in the open. And then I'm thinking, well, what if they did it behind closed doors and they were having the spat? How, how did they come out and tell the rest of the peeps there, 
hey, we decided, the Lord told us uh, that I should go that way and he's going that way. How, how did they explain it to the people knowing that these guys were so tight that, you know what, we can't, we can't work together no more. It's just not worth it. Dude, it breaks my heart, even to this day, when I read about this, because I'm going, are you guys serious? <laughs> I'm thinking, you guys have just fought a victory for the rest of the Gentiles. You guys fought so hard that you decided, we're going to go down to Jerusalem and stand up for these guys, because it is all about grace. And these other people are putting trips on them. <laughs> and then after, you know, this great victory, it's like they can't even work together anymore. Unity and humility had won the day, but not right now. No room for humility. No room for unity. <laughs> and I think, was it really worth worth it for Barnabas to be determined so much that he was willing to part from from his friend. Are you alright with that, Barnabas? That you were determined? So, pfft, I'll show you this. Did it really make Paul feel good that he was so insistent that he basically got his way? <laughs> Is it worth it? Is it worth it to win your fights? Is it worth it for you? Because as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking, I know that that happens in our church. I know that. I've been in those situations. And it sucks. I'm sorry to use that word, but it's just not good. (laughs) When, when, When unity and humility cannot win the day. Do people really feel good when they walk away going, I showed them, got my way. Because I was determined. I was determined to get my way today. Well, I insisted on my way. And contention breaks out. And I know that some would say about this whole thing, well, look at it on the bright side, Zeke. Two great teams went out to go do the work. I understand that. Right on. Right on. Couldn't they work together? <laughs> couldn't couldn't unity and, and humility win the day today in that time frame? How about in your life? Or are you the type of person that, no, when you insist on something, it's like, nope, I'm I'm not backing down. Now I can understand if it's if biblical principles. But when you read this, when you see this, what was the principle here? What was the principle? Paul fought so hard for grace and he would continue to fight for grace. Paul, where's that grace shown to Mark? Where's that grace? And I know, again, some people, well, he was just not, not mature enough. Well, why don't you take him under your wing? <laughs> take him under your wing. Show him, Paul, what it means to be a leader. Because in the end, I still think Paul was wrong. In the end, John Mark was a valuable minister to Paul. And Paul even asked for him at the end of his life. We don't hear about Barnabas, but I sure hope that they made up. 
I sure hope they gave, the, gave each other the right hand of fellowship and say, bro, I love you anyways. And they prayed for each other. I hope that in the end of their life, they didn't regret this. <clears throat> I know that in the end, God can work all these things out. He, he does. He will use even our contentions. <laughs> he will use those things. But I want to encourage you. Let humility and, and unity win the day. At the end of your day, that you would be humble enough to forgive others. That you would be able to back down, even take the wrong. <laughs> well, it's not fair. Yeah, it's probably not fair. It's probably not. But that's okay. That's okay. At the end of the day, let, let unity let humility win. Because when, when we allow humility and unity to, to win the day, guess who loses? Satan does. Every time. Every time. Guys, let's stand up as we close in prayer. Hmm. Jesus, as we come before you, Lord, we thank you again for your word, Lord. As we look at it and as we study it and as we see just this whole story of how it came out, Lord God, I, I know that even as I was studying, Lord, thinking, how do I finish this off, Lord? When we see Paul and Barnabas departing, Lord, I know that they went and did the work that you called them to do. And I know that you were able to redeem even the, the, the contentions that went on in their lives, Lord. And because we know the end of the book, Lord God, we know that, Lord, there was things that Paul humbled himself in. And allowing Mark to be part of his life at the end of his life was one of those things. And what a blessing that is, Lord. Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters in here, Lord. I don't know what they're struggling with. I don't know if they're, they're wanting to make sure that they, they win their battles just to say that they won. Lord, I pray that you would humble them. My heart, Lord God, would be that they would humble themselves <laughs> before you have to humble them much easier, Lord God. It hurts less, it seems like, when we humble ourselves before you. But I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, those who aren't here, they're having struggles, Lord. Those in our church body. Lord, please help us. I thank you, Lord God, for not laying trips upon us, Lord. Lord, you take us just the way we are, Lord. You know that we cannot go a day without sinning. And you still accept us and you love us. And Lord, you didn't expect us to reach your standards. You came down to us and you came down to our level and you met us right where we're at. I pray that we would never, as brothers, as sisters, put higher standards upon anybody else, Lord God, than, than what you have set for us, Lord. Help us, Lord, in those areas. Go with us now, I ask, Lord God. And if there's anybody in this room, Lord God, that really needs to turn to you or rededicate their life to you, Lord God, that they would not walk out of this room until they've done that, Lord. None of us are promised tomorrow, Lord. So Lord, help us all to be right with you. Life is too short <laughs> to have contentions. And so we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.